Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Sammy Kamkar. Sammy, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> uh, so for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, uh, could you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you know, currently, I'm a co-founder of OpenBath Security, a mo- mobile access uh, control company. And I'm a, you know, I guess... I'm a security researcher and sort of have been doing computer hacking uh, for a lot of my life. Awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely. I forget exactly how we met, but uh, Sammy, your your projects that you show at uh, Spec LA, which is one of the events that I run, uh, always, always blow me away. Uh, just a little bit of a side, I, I think one of the ones that uh, it's not your your most recent, but one of the ones that that completely tucked me off guard is when you were you were doing the sputtering, and that was the so you brought in this machine that that pretty much atomized metal and uh, sprayed just like single was it actually single atom thick across like plastic? What what, what was that? Yeah, yeah. So I I was uh, you know it's still a sort of a project, but I got into um, vacuum systems, vacuum chambers, and uh, that was a magnetron sputtering uh, machine I built. So it has a couple of uh, you know, vacuum pumps. And ultimately, we were taking metal and layering it, you know, basically layers of atoms, creating thin films of metal on onto plastic. Yeah, super cool. So all that's to say is uh, uh, Sammy's projects take him in lots of different directions and, and absolutely love hearing about them whenever, whenever new ones come about. So... Yeah, Sammy, can you talk a little bit about your like the I think you're you, in addition to co-founder, you're the chief security officer at OpenPath. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be, how you wound up starting that or co-founding that company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I think I mean, I love technology, so I love understanding how technology works and I love building it and um, just trying to always learn more. And I have some friends here in L.A. and we were talking, you know, I've met, I've known sort of my co-founders for something like. 10, 15 years through a previous company. And I think we had always just wanted to work together on something. And startups have always been pretty interesting to me. I had a previous startup maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago, something like that, um, in the voiceover IP space here in LA. And that's where I met them. And uh, finally, things aligned where I wasn't doing a company or doing my own thing, and they weren't doing the company. And uh, we all just met up and started talking about potential business ideas. I think we were we were sitting inside of a a friend's office who was lending us uh, their conference room in Marina del Rey, and it was just such a pain to get up because it was like something on the fifteenth hmm. floor, and it, to let somebody we only had one key card that they had they had a spare key card, so we'd have to go downstairs to let somebody up, come back upstairs. By the time you get upstairs, you get a call, someone's downstairs, <laughs> you could, like go downstairs. Like we lost the key card once, and it was a huge ordeal to like go to the building and be like, hey, we lost this key card. They're going to charge us a bunch of money. And next time, I'm like, you know what? I can just clone that key card. Like t- ten years ago or so, I developed some software um, onto a onto a penetration onto a RFID penetration testing toolkit called Proxmark, and uh, I wrote some software so you could just go easily clone and steal these badges, these RFID badges. And I was amazed that that's the stuff that's still being used today. Like, hmm. why? You know, we were talking about it. Like, why don't we just build a sort of a mobile-based system so you don't have a you don't have to deal with cards. You can use cards if you want, but if you want, you can just have an app on your device and can talk over wirelessly to the reader and let you in and it sort of bubbled up from that into a, into a much bigger sort of cloud-based mobile-based uh, access control business nice and so yeah so how long have you been 
doing that? I think that's, some, I think that's been yeah. four, four or five years now. Four or five years, yeah. So, so I imagine the team has gotten much bigger. Yeah. What? What? How does? Uh, yeah. How, what does building software for something like that look like? Yeah. So I mean, it's it, it was been really exciting um, because it's it's a combination. So it's software. It's also hardware. So we do we do really a lot of things. Um, we built you know internally. You know, we have our software teams. Um, we have our hardware team. We do, you know, we work with people for industrial design, mechanical engineering. We build all the hardware and the firmware and the software, and that includes cloud software, uh, you know, web backend stuff. Uh, our systems themselves are Linux, and then we also have microcontrollers and the readers, so various microcontrollers that we're communicating with. Um, we design all the firmware for that, all the mobile apps, so Android and iOS, um, as well as an SDK that third parties use that integrate into their own apps, so a large larger customers, they have their own apps, they can just integrate our SDK. Uh, so I would say it's, it's really fun because, and it's also manufacturing, so we're manufacturing the hardware <laughs> and plastic. Um, so we're, you know, and metal, I mean, we're, we're moving to, we have metal in some of our products now. So there's a lot of fabrication that's involved. And the group that we have is amazing. Like everyone I work with is absolutely incredible. So being able to just work hand in hand, and it started kind of small, you know, small, like, five-person team, and then grew to eight, and then to 30. We're about 80 people now. And um, it's just been really fun because there are so many things you get to do. And compared, compared to, say, basically every other company we know of, at least in this space, uh, typically companies are broken down into, they will either do, they will do one thing. They will do maybe the software. Or maybe they'll build the readers and the cards. Or, interestingly enough, like a lot of access, you know, people are probably aren't familiar with this kind of stuff, but a lot of access control hardware, the, the hardware that unlocks doors when you say swipe a badge or enter a pin, um, that hardware is, is typically designed by one company. And the software mm -hmm. that runs on it is not designed by that company. It's entirely, it's other, it's other companies. And so it's really weird to have like one company designing the hardware, another company building the software, and then another company building other hardware that interacts with it. Like none of these companies are the same. So everything just kind of, kind of talks together with a very, very basic protocol. Nothing is really tightly integrated. Mm. Um, and I compare it a little bit to the Apple experience where you know, when they're designing the hardware and the software, uh, they, get, they get a really nice cohesion uh, that mm. is challenging otherwise. Uh, so because we talk all those layers, we just get to do a lot more than you might normally be able to do. And that was just like really, really exciting for me and um, got me I guess yeah, really interested in doing something where we own sort of the entire stack. That's awesome. So how is yeah, how's all the how are all the engineering teams organized? Like, do you just have one team for mobile, or yeah, how does that all how yeah does that all look? Yeah, so obviously when it was just a couple of us, uh, you know, it was kind of maybe eight of us in the beginning for a while where we built uh, some of the main stuff, um, and it was let's see, you know, now we're kind of split off where we have a software team. And that's run by our CTO. And that's kind of split into multiple teams now just because we have so many products. And then we have uh, our hardware team. And I run, our, uh, I run sort of hardware and manufacturing. And then uh, someone uh, that works with me uh, kind of does the, deals with day-to-day -day stuff on, on those teams. Um, and that is kind of, I mean, those teams work hand-in-hand, -hand, hardware and manufacturing, especially because we're doing the manufacturing of the hardware that we're designing. And firmware sits inside of hardware and manufacturing, but I mean ev everything works pretty closely. So mm -hmm. you know those teams are talking daily. Um, yeah, it sounds like that that integration and that cohesion is uh, is pretty important for yeah. how you see things. I would say something that's been really cool is a lot of people are 
uh, a lot of people I've met just from local hacker spaces. So like Crash Spaces is the one that I've been going to for years. And we actually have probably made at least 10 people who've come from Crash Space and joined us. Um, and I'm a Crash Spacer myself. That's where I, lo- I learned a lot, of, uh, a lot of things. So having people who are really hands-on and yeah. we're not just talking, you know, a lot of companies might have, they might build something by, you know, a lot of companies don't build their own apps or they don't build right. their own hardware and they farm that out to a third party. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. But being able to, for us to just prototype some stuff, you know, someone goes and uses like a laser cutter and builds, builds a prototype. Someone just, you know, writes a test app um, and shows us, just lets us work really, really fast. And it also lets us iterate really quickly relative to what I've seen with other companies where they're farming stuff out. And then they have to be really, really sure what, they're, what they want their product to look like. And when something changes, when something like COVID hits, uh, it, things become more difficult. Where with us, because we designed everything, we're like, oh, you know, COVID hit, no one wants to touch anything. And we have this capacitive uh, touch sensor inside of our chip. Let's write some software um, to run on the microcontroller to be a little more lenient on that capacitive sensing. So instead of people touching, the way it works is someone goes up to the reader and they touch it. And it, it wirelessly mm-hmm. communicates with their phone in their pocket or their bag and says, oh, this person's allowed to enter. So it allows them in. But we don't want people touching anything anymore. So we then we wrote some new algorithm to filter some data and sense, oh, their hand is close, but not touching. So now you don't have mm. to touch the readers. And we were just able to do that kind of over a week and push it out to all of our customers. Oh, wow. That's, that's really impressive. Yeah, kind of what you were saying about co- other companies need to be really sure. It's like they got to measure twice, cut once, or like, I guess, measure 10 times. Yeah. Be like really, really sure where, you know, you've got this advantage where it can just be much more iterative, where you can build that prototype, actually test it, shake out a whole bunch of assumptions, and then by the time you know you're ready to go, you, you're really sure about what you wanted to do. Yeah, and there's pros and cons to both, so there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with with going either way. Uh, but I definitely have more fun when I know that at a flip of a hat, we can we can change something, mm-hmm. right? We can we can sort of mess with our systems. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you also mentioned uh, about how how many people from Crash Space uh, now work with you. Uh, that that's certainly something that that I try and tell people listening to the show is is you know running JSLA. That's that's where a lot of people go to hire and um, just getting involved with communities like this. Obviously, JSLA is uh, different than something like Crash Space, but um, you know I think it's I think it's really good to to join one of these communities, be proactive, share what you're working on, because it can, it can definitely help the right people working on cool, cool companies and projects find you. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. And, you know, I've been to JSLA a bunch, and it's always, it's always really fun, and definitely this similar type of community. Um, And I know that helped me when I was really growing up and just getting into programming. And that helped me get a job just being in a, um, well, it was Oh, didn't wasn't even. Yeah, I want to hear this story if you, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so I guess I was I was around. I started programming, or at least trying to program as a kid. So maybe when I was um, ten years old was probably when I started messing with HTML and uh, maybe started doing Perl programming, like around eleven. So I'm thirty four now. So that I don't know, twenty two, twenty three years ago. And um, I was living in Pittsburgh, and then my mom and I moved to LA, and. Just as I had left Pittsburgh, I had gone to this conference called uh, YAPSI, yet another Pearl conference. And that was, mm-hmm. in, that was in Pittsburgh. So that was really cool. And then I 
and I found out that they had this group called the Pearlmonger. So um, and I was like, oh, when I move to LA, I'll go and join the LA Pearlmongers. And there wasn't one. <laughs> there wasn't mm. a Pearl group in LA, uh, call it 20 years ago. So we moved here. And then I was like, oh, I'll start one. And you know, you just email the Pearlmongers like, hey, you want to start a group in a city that there isn't one already. And I started one. Yeah. And then uh, you know, just started mailing lists. And I reached out to people on IRC. So it was like the Pound Pearl channel. Um, on a couple of networks like FNet, um, and now nowadays it's probably Freenode. And I just reached out to people. It's like, hey, started this pro group. Oh, by the, uh, you know, we're having our first meeting. By the way, can anyone give me a ride? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we met at like a. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so no one really knew my age uh, until they like met me. Uh, but that, you know, I, you know, the first meeting was probably four or five people, just like some guys who really like Pearl. And, and uh, I, that grew into a, a small group, 10, 20 people, maybe like 50 people on the mailing list. Um, and then someone out of there just offered me a job, like a sort of contracting for a summer. And I was like, mm-hmm. that, that was really, really cool. And I really got, you know, firsthand experience sort of writing code, you know, quote, professionally. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have done it, like I would have never have gotten that, you know, had I not just been Try, trying to be active in any community, right? You don't have to start your own group. Just being part of a community, I think, is you're going to meet people who, like, I know when I'm uh, when I'm hiring, I'm looking for people who are passionate or at least appear like they really like to do what they want, uh, you know, what they're going to be working on, and they don't have to, right? That's not that's absolutely not a requirement, um, but it is, you know, there's a, a check mark that goes with that for me personally, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, that's a, you know, it's a plus. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're if you're expecting someone to work, let's just call it full time, eight hours a day, five days a week. And if they don't like it, it's very hard. Personally, I think it's just very hard to be good at something and, and deliver good results. If if you're spending that much time on something that you don't you don't enjoy or you're you're not invested or don't have at least a little bit of passion for. Yeah. And I think you also get a lot more creativity when you're really interested mm-hmm. in it. Um, you know, you might, you might say, oh, you know, we could do it this way, but what if we tried this new thing that, you know, very few people know about unless you're um, actually digging into whatever beta releases or alpha releases of something that's out there, or you're on a mailing list, or you just, you, it's just more information, right? And you can use that yeah. knowledge however you, however you choose. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So when, so what do you, let's say you are hiring, like in addition to passion or something. So like what, what are the things that, that you look for? Like what would, what would make you give someone a chance? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that is a big thing. Uh, for me personally, uh, and this is biased, just, uh, I guess it's, it's a little biased just because that's how I, I never went to school. I, I dropped out of high school. Uh, so when I was 15, I was just really into Counter-Strike. So I was just playing Counter-Strike all day and my mom was never around. So she didn't really didn't know I wasn't going to school. Um, and I was writing cheat software for it. So that was a lot of fun for me. I was just trying to like learn how to reverse engineer. And uh, I kept building cheat software and this system came out called Punk Buster around that time. Mm-hmm. And that would prevent my software from working. So all of a sudden this game was like, super, this was super fun to me. And the game to me was how do I evade Punk Buster and write a new version of the software? <laughs> um, and that I think gave me, that gave me like legitimate experience understanding how to reverse engineer. And uh, by doing that, uh, I never went to college after that. Uh, sort of that got me into uh, my first, I guess, full time, full time job, not just a summer job, was from that. I actually needed to get a job around that time. My mom lost her job. And she's like, mm-hmm. Sammy, you're not going to school. You're just playing games all day. You need to help pay rent. 
and someone emailed me out of the blue and said, hey, I saw your cheat software and it was open source. So I was releasing yeah. open source cheat software in C++ and it was just on my website. And anyone could download it. And someone emailed me out of the blue saying, hey, we saw your cheat software. You know, would, would you like to work for us, um, a company in San Diego, and writing software? And that, I mean, I, that blew my mind back then because software wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it blew my mind that someone would pay me to write code. <laughs> like it's obvious it's kind of obvious to anyone <laughs> but you know for me i was just playing games and i was trying to cheat at a game um yeah so yeah i i absolutely love that and that that dovetails with some of some of the advice that that i try and tell people when they're starting out you know there's 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 a common refrain of hey you know side projects like you should be working on side projects uh, i think this trips a lot of people up because then they try and think like oh well what side project would would look best? And it's like, no, 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 that's not the point. Like, if there is something that that you can make for yourself that you're really interested in, right? So, you know, going back to Sammy, your example, like you were really interested in writing this the the cheats for Counter Strike. Counter Strike meant something to you. Mm-hmm. Evading the the system and beating Punk Buster meant something to you, and so you were really driven, uh, you know, by this this project and so for everyone it's going to be different and i i i caution people against trying to come up with a a side project that they think other people are going to find cool i think the main thing is if you're if you're you know early and more starting out it can be a thing that really ups your your game It, it can be the thing that pushes your boundaries and helps you learn really quickly just with that that feedback loop. And in some cases, if, if it, you know, you do put it out there and people are using it, seeing it, it could directly lead to a job, which sounds like what happened, what happened next. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually glad you said that. I wasn't sure where you're going. Cause I was, I was thinking like, yeah, don't do a side project just to do a side project, especially cause it's obvious. Like when I'm, mm. when people, you know, when people do send me stuff and, and they send, and there's nothing wrong with doing a side project um, because you want to improve your skills. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. Because when someone sends me a side project that they did to do a side project to try to show that they have this skill, it just it looks like they did it just to kind of do it, like they have no interest in what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're doing something that you care about, and the company that hired me had nothing to do with gaming or cheating or anything like that, they were just they just needed a software engineer, and they needed someone maybe who maybe who thought outside of the box for some of the stuff they were doing it was unrelated entirely, right? You just needed to know how to code was the, was the primary thing. <laughs> um, but when I see, yeah, when someone is just passionate about something, that is, that is really interesting. Uh, I was watching a talk yesterday. It was on um, MIT's open courseware and it's a, it's a yearly lecture they give at MIT about um, how to speak. Like if, if you're going to be speaking about anything, like what are good ways to speak? And one of the things that uh, the speakers said, uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't recall his name, you can find it online. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Cool. Um, he was saying what is what inspires people. Like when you're speaking, what actually inspires people? And I wrote this down because I just thought it was, it was really interesting and 100% agreed with him. Uh, he says, exhibit passion about what you're doing. If you're mm-hmm. exhibiting passion about something you're doing, it doesn't matter if the other person has no interest in it. It is still inspiring. It is still really cool to hear someone talk about something that they are fanatical about no matter what it is um it's just it's fun like it, you like i smile when i hear other people talking about something they really enjoy even though i've never heard of it in my life right oh 100 uh, it's just it's cool to it's cool to see other people excited that gets me excited 
and I think, yeah, to go back to maybe your original question, um, which is what do I look for? That, you know, if they are passionate about something, and it could be anything, but that only briefly touches the area that, you know, I might be hiring for, that is a huge, huge plus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think this has been covered on the show uh, a few times, but it's sort of this duality of like to be bored is boring and to be interested is interesting. Mm. And there's there. Yeah, it, it kind of doesn't even matter. I mean, it, it can matter, but f- for the most part, just being really interested or passionate about something will make will make a huge difference in in how you're you're perceived. Um so I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, a million fold. So I don't, I don't know if you have advice uh, for, for people who might just be starting out now, but what, yeah, like, how would you say your, you've changed how you approach projects from early in your career to now? Like, is there a particular trajectory that, that you think is, is worthwhile noting? Interesting. Um, so, I mean, when you say project, I mean, do you mean like a personal project, a commercial project? Does it matter? What? I'm not particularly picky. Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, I think I, I think those kind of blend for you. So I, I don't yeah. I'm not really. Yeah. So I'm not picky. But if, yeah. if you do want to stick to one or the other, that's uh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's an interesting question. Uh, yeah, I'd say generally. Uh, well, that's another thing. I, I've been I've been very fortunate in that um, most of my personal projects uh have turned into somehow have somehow commercially sustained me. Um, and that's mostly by accident. Um, but I do think that it's a really good question. I never thought about how things change for me over time, but definitely think I do maybe approach things a little differently nowadays. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger and I, I was writing a ton of code when I was younger, I'm doing a lot less now. Um, I'm still building a lot of stuff and, um, now I'm doing a lot more proof of concept type stuff, but I was building maybe bigger software projects when I was younger. And back then, I think I just started, like I would just start coding. Um, <laughs> another thing is I, I didn't even know, necessarily know what I was doing and I might have to like rewrite it a couple weeks later, like entirely be like, oh wait, no, I should make all of these separate <laughs> modules or uh, whatever it may be. Like, you know, instead of like a monolithic app, this obviously is growing and I need to like separate this out and that was okay. It was also good for me to learn and be able to rapidly like writing that much code also makes you really fast. And when I don't write code for a while, then I jump back in. I'm like, uh, wait, <laughs> uh, wait, uh, is it continue or next or break in this language? I forget. Um, but nowadays, I guess when I approach a project and typically my projects these days will have required a, some code, um, but it's usually a combination of like hardware, some firmware, maybe, maybe um, some software, uh, sometimes some web stuff, sometimes some old stuff, um, and maybe some like, and then maybe some fabrication. So I definitely enjoy putting those all together. But I am maybe a bit more methodical in thinking, all right, I start documenting first these days, where back mm. then I did not at all. That's uh, awesome. Um, and not to say one is better or not, but I think it's way, it does make a lot more sense for me. Um, when I, and when I say document, I mean, I use a, you know, I, I've been using Evernote, I switched over to Notion, um, and I just start a new sort of note and I just write out what are the bullet points that I want? What do I want this to do? Or what are the high level concepts? And then I, and then I tabulate those and I break those down. Okay, well, what are those? And I make a list on each of those, especially because some of the projects, some things have wait periods. I might be waiting on a, on a third party for something or for mm-hmm. something to be delivered or 
or something to be done compiling. Like, you know, um, so I can, uh, I can just quickly, I don't have to think as much. I can just go back to my notes and be like, all right, what's something else I can work on in the interim because whatever, I can't do this right now or I'm too tired right now. Uh, and I don't want to like, I don't have to think in this area. I want a different, I want to use a different part of my brain right now. Um, that's just been really helpful, especially as I've built more, I, I have a lot more projects maybe going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So that might be uh, an, another thing. Um, but yeah, I find that really, really useful for me because every time I want to jump back on a project, I don't always know where I left off. Uh, mm. And I can just yeah. read I can read some notes I left for myself. And these are all internal notes. These are you know, just, just for myself. Um, I'm happy to share them with people, but they might not read very right. well. <laughs> yeah, it's not the main main purpose. I would say that's like the biggest thing I do. And then I, I try to do a little, and I try to do more research. Like has someone, when I was younger, uh, or when I was more starting off, um, or maybe even middle, middle, I don't know, life, I wasn't, I was just starting coding. Like I, I wasn't even looking to see had someone else done something. I might do a really quick search. Now I'm a bit more, I'm I'm more thorough when I'm searching because I also know there's like a lot of really cool stuff out there that people don't know about. Like I'm talking right. projects on GitHub that have zero stars because right. you know you do a Google search, it doesn't come up in the first couple of results. So now when I'm searching something and I think, oh, there might be a framework, or there might be a library, um, and there might be like. And I also consider this sort of untapped resources, like people who are really, they are passionate about the things that they're working on. They, they don't, they haven't reached out to maybe a community. So they, they work on their project that they love and they post it on GitHub or they post it somewhere else. And people just haven't found it because they're not sharing, they're not really sharing it anywhere else. You know, GitHub itself is only a platform to place things. You don't really, it's not as easy to find things unless you're explicitly looking. And nowadays right. I will do, yeah, I'll do a Google search on where I do site colon github.com and then what I'm looking for. And I go through like the top 10 or 15 repositories, even if they have zero stars. I look, what is this? Who, who is this person? What are they working on? I check out the profile. I see what else have they done? What are their interests? And that gives me a little bit more of a mental model of who this person is. What are they working on? What are they interested in? And could this project be relevant, even if there's no readme markdown? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're actually touching on something that's really important. And um I mean, I'm I'm definitely in that that camp too, where there's just so many things that I've worked on, and ninety nine point nine percent of the effort just went into the project, and basically rounds to zero effort went into sharing it with any kind of community or mm-hmm. promoting it or trying to make it really accessible. And overall, I just find that to be a huge mistake, and I'm just trying to get better about that to the extent that I, that I do things like that. Yeah, it's um, hard. It takes time and it takes effort. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to do that, right? I just want, <laughs> I just want to work on the project. That's the fun part. Like the documenting, I want to, I want to shoot myself uh, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it's, uh, and it's interesting, right? Because it means that because that's, that's a common behavior, there's a lot of really cool work out there that's just not in your face. It's not the one with, you know, thousands of stars or super pretty readme right. documents with the badges and all that fun stuff. Yeah. And then on the flip side, it it means for uh, anyone listening, um, a little bit of effort in that direction can go a long way of getting you noticed um, because not everyone is going to be taking Sammy's route of, of really digging in and, and trying to find things. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I'm just wondering, I'm kind of wondering what, what people should do if they want to get their, their project noticed. But 
yeah, maybe checking out like Discord communities and, and sharing on those. I mean, that seems to be where maybe at least where I find uh, communities are more popping up for different interests and areas. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Sammy, I feel like you've been, well, I assume you've been pretty good. It certainly looked this way, but that might also just be because your your projects are so remarkable. Um, but it seems like yours have been pretty good about um, that presentation. And I don't know if that's because you put particular care in packaging them. They tend to do, they. I've, I mean, on your site, they tend to have write-ups um, and things like that. Like, how much do you think about this when you're when you're working on a project? Um, uh, it's challenging. Um, I'd say you know some projects have some projects. I will spend a lot of time, and I really want to describe them because I think it's really interesting information. Super interesting to me. It was really fun, like learning how all this worked, and I want. And there are times like I'm like this could be so useful to other people if they knew how this worked. And they could actually take this technique and do even way cooler things than I'm doing with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are things that I want to share because I think people will be able to do much better, much more interesting things than I have done with it. And those are typically around techniques of mm-hmm. like maybe exploitation and using software to do that type of stuff. Um, and I'll try to do thorough documentation on that. Um, and, you know, I just got to sit down every once in a while, I'll do it. Then there's other things that the, my documentation is a, a single tweet. Like, that is it. Like, this is it. I threw it on GitHub, or here's a link, or here's a photo, and I'll answer any questions, but that's it. I'm, I'm so over this project. I don't want to talk about Like, <laughs> I don't want to do M. <laughs> um, and this is the Mac, like, this is the effort I will put in. It's 240 characters at a time, or what, 280, or whatever it is now. Yeah. Um, it, and then there are plenty projects where I'm like, uh, I don't want anyone to see this. <laughs> you know, like, uh, like, if I cleaned it up, I would put it up. Um, mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm like, uh, you know, there's still some cool stuff. I'll just push it. I'll push it up. I'll push it. If someone does find it on GitHub, they can they can use the core of it. Um, they'll, mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll want to clean it up. I'm sure they'll want to fix all the issues um, if it's useful to them. But if it's not, you know, no worries. It's so, funny. It's like, th- yeah, it's like thinking about this. Like, I, I, I still have this problem. So probably my more recent uh, software project is Rambly. And I keep wanting cool. to share it with people because I know how useful it is for oh, JSLA, really cool for Spec LA. Um, like I can see just like it's the way that it scratched my own itch for having virtual, um, you know, they used to be in-person events and now they're online and I can just see how useful it is. But I keep getting to the point where like, all right, you know, I'll put it on product hunt, I'll put it on, on Reddit. You know, there, there's definitely communities that can benefit from this. And then it just it's just sort of like, no, before I do that, I should really add more to the, you know, the documentation or the write up. I should record a video. And then it's like, here we are just like months later where I still have not shared it uh, beyond any kind of word or mouth of just like my own events. And so, man, it's really it's really tough. I can imagine a lot of a lot of people like if I have this problem, I think a lot of people will have the same issue of promoting uh, their projects. And yeah, I wonder what the I wonder what the answer is. Like, is there a particular technique that can get people to be more okay sharing their their projects? Because I do recognize that it's valuable. Yeah, I would I would say I would argue at least for you and me, we have probably enough other projects out there that at least we have some projects out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's maybe not as big of a deal when we don't. But I would suggest to other people, like if you do want to um, 
get your project out there or get known so maybe you want to have, uh, you know, you're interested in getting hired or you're interested in other opportunities in the future. Or you're just trying to um, make make sure that in the future, if you do want to find simple, like-minded people to work on some web projects that, that you do that, I, I would definitely suggest, you know, writing something up. Um, yeah, the, I think the, the nicer it is, the, the better it is. And I never also know what to do. Like, I've been trying to do things in Markdown and then I use like this Macdown app and I try it every time I release a project I use a different uh, <laughs> a filter or like a theme just to see what it looks like and I try using different technologies and sort of different projects so in a recent project on this net slipstreaming thing I started using draw.io to graphically represent a network and how this uh, this thing this attack I was working on how it worked and then I got really into draw.io and I was like, oh, you know what? I needed to do something that it doesn't do. So I started building a oh, JavaScript plugin. Oh, I saw plugin. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I actually I got, looked at your fork for that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I added a feature to that. And I got, and then I pushed it. I did a pull request and got merged back into um, Astro, which is nice. So now other people can use the same feature. Uh, but that was, I mean, it, and I definitely spent a lot of time looking at different projects just to um, draw sort of graphical representations of things. And draw.ios are very cool. It's open source and free. So I was happy about that. Yeah, visual visual diagrams. I think I think that there's a lot of leverage there. I think a lot of people don't do that, but it it helps a ton. Um, so yeah, there's so many libraries and frameworks that make it really, <laughs> really easy, right? Yeah. You can just go grab D3 or something, you know, so much you can do with LibGL and um, you can do like incredible things with these technologies. Um, there's one th- fun thing that you could do with WebGL that you weren't really supposed to do, but uh, you know, WebGL interacts with your, allows you for your browser, as you know, to interact with your graphics card. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could do really nice graphics with that. But it was all because it was your graphics card, you could actually access through the web browser. Someone could basically make a web page and then access um, content uh, in memory. <laughs> within the GPU's memory, which means other screens, like other things on your desktop, you could you could literally read the pixels back out <laughs> outside oh of the browser God. context. Of course, that was of pretty course. cool. Um, <laughs> but there's also good uses of WebGL, but mostly good uses. Is that fixed or is that? Oh, that was fixed. Was yeah, that was fixed. Yeah, yeah. This was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Sounds the, like something that would get fixed quickly. Yeah, definitely. It, and and the, those teams are really good at resolving these these things pretty quickly once they're found. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, so okay, so so that yeah, we kind of went into the projects and everything like that, and and also just if somebody has a project now and they're trying to get noticed, um, is there yeah, is there anything else that 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 you you would say in terms of like advice? Let's just say somebody came out of a a boot camp uh, and they're in this environment, which might be particularly challenging or maybe not but what would you let's just say like you were that person mm-hmm. like what would be something that that you would keep in mind or try and do um yeah definitely yeah what i would do if i just with what i know today and this is not yeah the it's right really way. hard to like yeah figure that that out but yeah yeah this is not necessarily the best way this is just the, from the information i have and um i would definitely reach out to any kind of community that is somewhat related um Mm -hmm. just jump in uh see if i could join some of the the meetups um i mean that's what i do when i'm interested in something right i I join those meetups um i go to the spec la and the jslas and um there's a quantum uh a quantum meetup i heard about that's not even in la it's actually in portland but uh, Mm -hmm. a friend told me about it and i'm like i want to learn more about that so (laughs) now going to these portland meetups you know over zoom of course 
<laughs> but uh, reaching out to people, yeah, finding like-minded people, working on projects you're interested in, like you said earlier, like what you're, whatever you're passionate about, it doesn't uh, it, that I think that will just come out when you mm-hmm. are working on it and not being shy, which is really tough, especially mm-hmm. for a lot of us engineers. I mean, it's a uh, uh, I definitely feel way more comfortable behind the screen and typing up, but that is more <laughs> more my jam, mm-hmm. um, where it took me a while to be able to sort of maybe speak more openly when I went to things, when I went to events, when I went to conferences. Um, that was just a personal, that was just a personal struggle I had to go through. And, and I pushed myself really hard to go through it so that I can feel comfortable or at least appear comfortable when, you know, talking socially about projects. Yeah. And now I find when I do talk about the stuff, you know, uh, I kind of, forget that I'm um, maybe worried about it and I'm talking about if I'm talking about something I enjoy then it's it's much easier mm, um, yeah and that's oh I guess that that was another thing that maybe starting when I was younger was I wanted to do speaking engagements and, and I'm talking just a small meetup right be, be able to talk about a project that I wanted and I was really really afraid of doing that I was super super scared and I went to one security small security meetup of maybe five or ten people and I did a little talk there and it you know, I was really, ner- really nervous. But afterwards, you know, someone came up to me and talked to me about the, the project they talked about. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. they really enjoyed this. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about it. Maybe there are more people who are interested in this. And then I started doing that more and more and more. And I still get nervous to this day. But I find that, you know, people do, they want to hear about the stuff you're interested in. Uh, so yeah. it's it's good to share, even if you have to break through that. You don't have to, but that, that is a, a way that you can then find like-minded people who, and many people are willing to help, right? They want to help. They want to help because you're helping them, right? If, mm-hmm. if they can put you in a position where you can help their company or help them on a project, like they want to do that. That's It's mutually beneficial. Yeah. Um, speaking, I think, is great. I mean, I think, I think it does a number of things. So one, just in any kind of role, um, having that ability to present your ideas clearly in an interesting way, um, that's almost always valuable. If you're if you're working on a team, um, the same skills that you would have in in giving a talk translate, I think, to a lot of a lot of situations in in business. It's not exactly the same. I mean, if you're if you're giving a talk to you know a whole a whole lot of people, that's that's less common just at a company with a team. But but being able to frame your ideas uh, or or document what you've done or um, advocate for a particular position or way of doing things in a in a in a clear way I mean that's that's really valuable and so going through that exercise and in, in I was gonna say like kind of like a, a safe slash low stakes way that's just really good practice now it may not feel that way right I mean if mm-hmm. you're if you're if you're gonna speak at a meetup with you know 10 20 people like that that might be frightening for a lot of people who are who are listening mm-hmm. um, to try and do that but the more you do it uh, the less frightening it is like once you once you do it and you realize that it didn't kill you uh, it takes a lot of that the that scary power away from it um, you know JSLA uh, I kind of did the same thing I um, I chose to be the MC every month because I I wanted to, to basically uh, uh, immerse myself and and lose that that fear 
right? Mm -hmm. And it took a long time. In fact, so JSLA right now is on break. JSLA takes off for November and December uh, so that we don't compete with Thanksgiving and and Christmas. And I remember uh, even after doing it for maybe like a year or two, taking those two months off and then thinking like, oh my God, I have to get up in front of 100 people or something in January uh, would be scary. But then January comes and then I'm back in the rhythm of doing it every month. And and now, man, I am so happy that I have that experience under my belt. Mm-hmm. It just, it's it feels really empowering to not have that. I don't really want to call it a phobia, but, you know, there's that, I don't know if this is true. It might be apocryphal, but they say that, uh, you know, the number one fear is public speaking and the number two is death. So (laughs) more people would rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. And um, I I forget which comedian said that, but, you know, it's just really empowering to not it's not that I don't have that fear, but you're just so much more comfortable with it because you know that it's going to be okay. And then the, the second thing beyond just the, the 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 speaking part and the sharing your ideas is it it really can. I think there is, you know, this this aspect to TDD, like talk driven development. Like you you will if, if you are showing off a project, you will be able to get that project done. It'll probably push you a lot farther than if there wasn't some sort of external deadline of where you're you're showing it off and i think that can be that can be really valuable um so definitely definitely agree with with that uh yeah nod towards giving talks yeah and i mean it it was definitely a huge i can i still like have i'm i'm nervous just talking about it but uh i would definitely push people to do that and you know one thing that maybe helped me after some time was realizing okay hey these people, you know, people who are here, they're actually here to listen to you. So if, if you're going to speak about something and you get accepted, that's why people are there, right? They want to actually listen to you. And it's not about how well you speak or what words you use or anything. Like, they just want to hear about the information, right? What you're trying to yeah. share. And it's okay if you if you don't feel comfortable speaking, if you stutter, no, like, how you speak. None of that matters. Like, they're... They're about the, yeah, I'm just laughing because like, yeah, you you think it's so important. Like, oh, God, if I get up there and I stutter or like I sound nervous, it's going to be awful. And you just wouldn't believe how quickly that endears you to the audience. Like yeah. for anyone in the audience, if someone like starts stuttering or, or they're nervous, like it just kind of makes you be like just that much more attentive and supportive. Yeah. And, and no one's going to a talk because they're like, oh, yeah, I want to hear someone speak really eloquently. Like, that's why I'm going to this, <laughs> right? They're, they're, yeah. they're, going, they're going because they want to hear what you have to say yeah. um, and whatever topic that may be. Yeah. And so I, I would also I'd also say that, that if you're thinking about and, and this dovetails with the the side project thing, I think those two can really go together nicely. I think you can think of something that that you want or that you're interested in. Right. So way early on, Sammy, you were talking about you got into Counter-Strike and so you developed software to to cheat. Uh, I did something very similarly. In fact, I, I have a talk about this at, at JSLA, where I, I credit a lot of my, um, you know, initial coding uh, skills to writing bots for EverQuest. Mm. So kind of like this <laughs> nice. other form of yeah. yeah, this other form of cheating in an online online game. But it was just so it was so iterative, right? So you know, I programmed something into the bots, like a new behavior that I wanted them to do. 
I have them run overnight in the morning. I wake up, I see like, did it work? Did it not? And make adjustments. And it just, it just drove my skills forward along with, you know, the features that I wanted. Um, and so it really could be anything. It could be something as nerdy as EverQuest. If you're a musician, it could be something music related. If you're into film, it could be film related, either to help you be more creative, like make better music, uh, make you know better uh, film, or if you're just more into the sort of list making database, like archivist thing, it could be a way to like organize those things or search them or whatever. And so software really is just this tool that you can use to uh, help your life in any any number of ways. Um, you know, it could be could be making bots, uh, could be helping you, you know, do fun things with video games. It it kind of doesn't even matter. Cooking, uh, rock climbing, ATVing. Like there's 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 sort of no limit to what you can do with software to augment your um, your other hobbies, and then if you just document or you release what you do and, and you do it in a way that kind of shows that you're, you're excited about it and what you, what you did, you think is cool. And hopefully it is, that is the, it's a great foundation for a talk. Um, and I, yeah, definitely definitely encourage those people listening to, to think about going in that way, uh, can really help, help get you out there, um, and have people approach you. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, may even make sense to make a YouTube video just of that. You know, yeah. if that's a recorded talk, then you can you can share that. And put that yeah, that's an interesting thing. It's like kind of like, you know, you don't even really have to wait on other people to give you permission to do these things, right? It's it's you, it can be good, right? You can to find a a targeted community that you know will be uh um receptive, but it could also just be like you said, it could be good to do the YouTube video ahead of time and then you've got something to show um yeah, yeah, I think that's a great as, idea. Yeah, the, as there aren't as many events these days, probably. So, uh, Sammy, this has been great. Where can people find out more about you online? Um, yeah, people can check out uh, some of my projects at my website, sammy.pl. That's S-A-M-Y dot P-L. Uh, and also my company, openpath.com. Awesome. We'll put both of those in the show notes. And uh, Sammy, I love your website. It's one of the... <laughs> Uh, it's definitely one of the ones where it just emulates like a virtual opera. I mean, it emulates an operating system. I think, do you even have, you've got like a start bar and like task yeah. manager. <laughs> I love that. I'm such a sucker for that. Stuff. <laughs> love That's it. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you for joining me today. Awesome. Thanks David. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman and I hope you join me again next time for junior to senior. If you've enjoyed the show and you want to get more involved with like-minded devs focused on their career head on over to community.juniortosenior.io.